This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches? I don't have to show you any stinking batches! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. There's been a renewed push to get a Republican health care package passed in the House by the end of the week with Easter recess on the horizon. Vice President Mike Pence, White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus, and Budget Director Mick Mulvaney have been reaching out to both moderates and conservatives. That was Fox News yesterday talking about this renewed interest in getting some things done on the repeal of Obamacare. Let's talk about it with Congressman Kevin Brady. He represents the 8th Congressional District in the great state of Texas. He is chairman of the Powerful Ways and Means Committee and a key point man on the effort to rid the country of Obamacare and and the new emphasis on tax reform. Congressman, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Hey, good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I know this is, uh, and the speaker came out and talked about this yesterday uh, as far as where they're going with a, a possible deal to, to resurrect to getting rid of Obamacare. I know it's preliminary, but what are you hearing? What's the latest from the Hill? Are they making yeah. any headway? Yeah, so I was in the meeting last night for a couple hours. We finished around 1030 or so. Had the right people in the room. I think here, here's the key. Look, don't, don't rush this. You know, give people a chance to get to the right position. We're already we're gutting the taxes, the mandates, the spending, uh, defunding plan of parenthood, making sure no tax dollars can be used for any insurance plans that pay for elective abortions. All that is already in there. The question here is, can you lower premiums both for the next two years for people trapped in Obamacare and then give states, you know, just maximum control to design health care that's right for Texas rather than directed out of Washington? And look, that that is exactly the right direction. We ought, we ought to continue to talk. So, look, yeah. I, my point is, look, don't don't set a deadline of tomorrow or Friday or or whatever. Let people get to the right um, uh, place uh, and get this right. Okay, yeah, and you know, th- this has been the position of the Salcedo show, and and I think that maybe it is reflected in some of the opposition of the of the uh, the Freedom Caucus is that instead of accepting the, the idea that we need an entitlement here, maybe it's a, along the lines of repeal and deregulate, meaning removing government. Uh, I just wanted to get your opinion on this because we think this would be a, uh, would go a long way to winning some of these, these uh, the, the conservative folks over is to basically say, look, if you're going to make this transition from the socialism of Obamacare into a freer market, 
uh, and and have all of these these subsidies or these tax credits as they're, as they're being called and and that kind of thing to cushion the blow have a sunset provision after after we resurrect the free market sunset it so that the those who don't want bigger government like in the freedom caucus can say okay we see a light at the end of the tunnel is there is there any discussion like that going on well um not too much although two two thoughts one this is a, a pretty good Look, these are the first reforms of Medicaid ever in 50 years, so almost a trillion bucks of savings there, and they're in major deficit reduction. So people are feeling pretty good about uh, all the shrinking of government in this. Now it's really about how much state control we can give. And here's the big challenge, Chris. We in the House are operating under these weird Senate rules that, that sort of stop us every time we, we try to make get even more aggressive. They say, no, you can't do that sending it to us and our point is look we're gonna we're gonna stuff as much free market reforms in this bag as we can get over to the senate so that's part of the discussion last night as well is not only okay what do we do uh even better but how do we make sure we can get it through the senate over there congressman kevin brady chairman of the house and ways and ways and means committee joining the chris alcedo show right now so if if the obamacare thing got done it would make your next job a heck of a lot easier <laughs> which is which is tax reform give me a breakdown of what is now, there's some i will get into the stuff that's under debate but let's 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 lead off where there's a lot of consensus 216 uh, house members where you think that uh, some definite things that will be included in any tax reform package yeah so we're so chris this is where we get excited about this and there's no question getting health care reform done the right way builds a lot of momentum on, on tax reform as well but here's what we're doing this only happens once in a generation i mean it is a challenge of a generation so our goal isn't to leapfrog America from dead last into the middle of the pack. We're going to the top three best places on the planet for the next new job. And so we're proposing the three big reforms, lowest tax rates in modern history on our local businesses and a redesign so that our companies can compete and win anywhere in the world, especially here at home and in Texas. Second big reforms we're proposing for families and individuals, a code so simple Nine out of ten Americans will be able to file using a postcard-style system. And then finally, third reform, we bust up the IRS because we have a simpler tax code, demands a simpler tax collector. So we bust up the IRS, redesign it into a smaller 21st century agency focused on taxpayer service, not punishment. So those are the big – those in. It, those are the big strokes of what we're doing, and 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 that's where there's a lot of universal consensus. There is, there is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now we're now one of the big sticking points, of course, is this border adjustment tax. Yeah. Which some say, uh, and a lot of folks on the House side say, this is something that equalizes America's trading yeah. prowess with other nations who do who who basically institute these kinds of taxes. There are those on the Senate side who say, well, it just transfers more cost to the people. Where are you on this? Yeah, well, so the reason we put it in here is that our competitors are beating the heck out of us with it. We're one of the few countries that doesn't border just. So today, uh, we give a tax break, in effect, a trillion dollars to foreign products over made in America and made in Texas products. One of the reasons, one, we can't compete and win, and secondly, it's why our companies are moving overseas. So we're saying, for the first time in history, everyone's taxed equally in America at the same low business rate. doesn't matter comes from China, comes from Mexico, comes from Canada, or made in the U.S., they're taxed equally, level playing field for the first time in history. What that does is, one, 
creates a ton of jobs in America. We're going to sell a lot more made in Texas, made in America products around the world. But maybe the most important part of it is all the tax incentives to encourage companies to move their manufacturing plants or their research or the headquarters overseas is gone. In fact, just the opposite. Now you're going to see a giant sucking sound back toward the United States in jobs and manufacturing. That's why that what I, that I really call this a border equal tax, because we're going to tax equally uh, in America for the first time. All right. I've got about uh, 45 seconds left, but I wanted to ask you about the 75,000-page tax code that we have right now. Uh, what, what Will it be reduced down to something that, that Americans can actually comply with, and will it mean more money in the pockets of the, of the, the lower to middle class folks? Yes to both. First, uh, tax cuts on every income level. Uh, we are eliminating hundreds of special interest provisions so we can lower the taxes on every American and our local businesses as well. Uh, the one of the reasons we're pushing hard for this postcard is the belief that, look, there's all these special provisions for some that no one ever gets to use, and they keep rates, tax rates high in America. So let's lower let people rates, let people keep more of their money. You decide how you want to use it. So that's our whole goal, the postcard, is to be so simple and so fair. Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was uh, Dr. Benjamin Carson who observed that the tax code is so cumbersome that if the federal government wanted to get you, they could get you on a tax uh, a tax loophole. Uh, and and that's, that's bad when, you, when no American has a yeah. prayer of complying with the tax code. Congressman Kevin Brady, folks, 8th Congressional District in the great state of Texas, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Sir, always appreciate you carving out time for the Salcedo Show. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for your leadership on tax reform. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right, back in a minute, folks. The Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Let me say... A few words about recent events. Yesterday, chemical attack. A chemical attack that was so horrific in Syria against innocent people, including women, small children, and even beautiful little babies. Their deaths was an affront to humanity. These heinous actions by the Assad regime cannot be tolerated. The United States stands with our allies across the globe to condemn this horrific attack and all other horrific attacks. That was Donald Trump uh, in the Rose Garden today. He had King Abdullah beside him when he was making these comments. Look, it's no secret to all of you that I, have, I am no fan of, of I, I shouldn't say no fan, that I preferred 
the A-team being there in the State Department. Uh, John Bolton, I'm kind of a John Bolton guy. When Rex Tillerson came out and said that Bashar al-Assad's future was up to the Syrian people, and you know what? I hate agreeing with John McCain, but I have to in this in this case. When when you have a dictator who is gassing his own people, uh, and slaughtering his own people, you don't have much of a, a say in what that dictator is doing. So Rex Tillerson's timing could not have been more poor. Now, granted, he couldn't. There's no way he could have known that the dictator Bashar al-Assad was going to launch a gas attack so soon after he uttered those words. But he had to know that Bashar al-Assad had attacked his own people during the Obama administration. The Obama administration did absolutely nothing to stop it. Don't don't forget that it was resident Obama. And I got I got to pull these sound bites. You know, I might even I might even have some of them at the ready here. Hold on a second. Um, yeah, here it is. Hold on a second. I want to make it absolutely clear to Assad and those under his command. The world is watching. The use of chemical weapons is and would be totally unacceptable. And if you make the tragic mistake of using these weapons, there will be consequences and you will be held accountable. And then Bashar al-Assad said, yeah, you're a weak, feckless idiot. I'm going to use chemical weapons because I'm a dictator. That's what I do with all of uh, with Russia's blessing. And then what did Obama do? Obama did nothing. And he knew he was going to do nothing. We, we knew this was the kind of weak and uh, feckless individual Obama was, continues to be. And so when he got called on it by a scant few in the basket of biased press, resident Obama actually said, now you guys just heard him. Yeah, talking about his red line. And there's actually another one where he actually uses the red line terminology. Um, but here he is after he's caught, after, after the red line has been crossed, and after the world is saying, well, Obama, you said if, if Assad did something, he crossed that red line, that you were going to do something. And here's what Obama said in response. First of all, I didn't set a red line. What? 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 Well, you most certainly did. As a matter of fact, in a quick search here in the Salcedo Show archives, I was not able to find the exact quote where Obama used the term red line. But I trust me, I have it. And we all remember Mr. Obama saying, well, that's going to change my calculus. That's going to change my, that's a red line for me. If we start seeing chemical weapons moving on the ground, that's going to be, that's going to be a red line for me. Actually, I actually have it right here. Hold on a second. We have been very clear to the Assad regime, but also to other players on the ground that a red line for us is we start seeing a whole bunch of chemical weapons moving around or being utilized. Uh, That would change my calculus. That would change my equation. That would change my calculus. That would change my 
equation, said resident Obama. So then Bashar al-Assad goes, uh, all the dictators and the despots around the world figured out Obama right away. And you know what, to be quite frank, all the left-wingers, they figured out Obama right away too. They all knew he was a toothless, feckless individual who was in no way interested in stopping atrocities like this around the globe. That there was no ally that he would stand up for. Hell, he wouldn't even stand up for his own country, much less an ally. So then he lays down the red line in that soundbite. And then he comes back and says, well, um, first of all, I didn't set a red line. <laughs> because, but the press carried his water. They said, oh, yes, because Obama said it. He declared it. I, no, no, no. The, the soundbite that you heard before doesn't exist anymore because now Obama has said he never said that. First of all, I didn't set a red line. The world set a red line. The world set a red line when you said my calculus had cha- would change? So this is what we've been treated to the last eight years. You've got these despots who have been able to build up their power, build up their authoritarian regimes without America standing in the way because that's the way Obama wanted it. They also know that Obama gutted the U.S. military. So our capability to respond now has also been diminished. There was an F-16 crash just today because we can't keep our birds in the air because resident Obama left a dilapidated military after his occupation of the Oval Office. There's another story out there. I got to find that where our aviators are now afraid to fly. They're refusing to fly because the military that resident Obama left Donald Trump was so dilapidated and so unsafe. It's, uh, you know, and then here, John McCain, he went, did you, did you guys recall John McCain caterwauling and yelling at the top of his voice these entire eight years? No, he wasn't out there leading the charge. He was going along to get along with his Democrat friends. Now, when Trump gets into the into the White House, oh, now McCain says, well, 50, <laughs> 54 million dollars, uh, that, that, a billion dollars, that's not enough. 54 billion dollars, that's not enough. After decrease, after decrease, after decrease in our military spending under President Obama, John McCain wasn't out there caterwauling and yelling at the top of his voice. Did he use any of his airtime with a basket of biased press to decry Obama? Hell no. But Trump gets up there, increases spending, and then, oh, it's not enough to John McCain. It's kind of sickening, really. At any rate, now, you know, Trump, I think yesterday, you can get away with pointing out the obvious. But now this is this is your this is your issue now and you're gonna have to start dealing with it and trump was asked about this i think on in the rose garden today chemical attacks and does the chemical attack cross a red line for you well i think the obama administration had a great opportunity to solve this crisis a long time ago when he said the red line in the sand and when he didn't cross that line after making the threat i think that set us back a long ways not only in syria but in many other parts of the world 
because it was a blank threat. I think it was something that was not one of our better days as a country. So I do feel that, Julie. I feel it very strongly. To the chemical I now have responsibility, and I will have that responsibility and carry it very proudly. I will tell you that. It is now my responsibility. It was a great opportunity missed. As you know, I'll be meeting with the president of China very soon in Florida. And that's another responsibility we have, and that's called the country of North Korea. We have a big problem. We have somebody that is not doing the right thing. And that's going to be my responsibility. But I'll tell you, that responsibility could have made, been made a lot easier if it was handled years ago. Now, contrast that, if you will, with the first two months of President Obama's administration. President Obama, I think it was three or four years, was blaming Bush for the reason why things weren't getting better in the United States of America. Here's two months in, and Donald Trump's already saying, yeah, this could have been handled better, but it's now my responsibility. I guess there's a difference between a man and someone who's not. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's get into a little bit of uh, the, the back and forth. With I, I don't want to lose sight of the, the, Gorsuch, the Gorsuch fight uh, because I, it, it's going to be important. And, I, and here's the reason why I think it's so important is not only because of the Supreme Court, and we're, we're, going to get, we're going to win this one. There's no way we can lose this one. The only losers will be the Democrats. Because if they go where I think they're going to go, which is right down the tubes as far as their credibility is concerned, they're going to filibuster. They're going to make a big deal. They got some some kook senator was on the on the Senate floor for 12 hours in a filibuster style type speech talking about how he wants Trump to nominate Merrick Garland to make amends. They, they, they're, they're unhinged. They're deranged. They've forgotten the history. They've forgotten the Biden rule. They've forgotten what Chuck Schumer said about George Bush nominees not being able to be put up for a year and a half. They've forgotten so many things that they think that we have forgotten. They think that we are that stupid, that we have forgotten their treachery in the past, their justifications for denying uh, conservatives our nominees. Now, the Democrats have resorted to fear tactics and you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And I thought it was instructive yesterday to remind some of us, just, just so you guys know, when you're having conversations with your liberal friends and they come up, yeah, Republicans destroyed 200 years of of precedent they just they destroyed uh, our, the fabric they destroyed the fabric of the country well you can say well yeah but the democrats did it first the first political party to go nuclear on judges was the democrat party 
They were the first. And then Chucky e. Schumer said, well, this is a lifetime appointment. Well, so too are um, <laughs> the other benches, the federal benches. Lifetime appointments. So um, it was also going to be the Democrats who will be the first party to ever filibuster a judge. So spare me this whole idea that it's, it's the Republicans, the dirty the dirty Republicans, and they, they don't like democracy. Spare me. I wish I could. I, I found the display on the floor of the Senate to be so pathetic and so transparent that I didn't even make note of this. Hold on. I bet you I can find it on a, on a Google search. Hold on a minute. I mean, I, I think this person deserves a derision. Uh, 12, some derision. Uh, 12... Our speech, Senate floor, Gorsuch. Let's see. Which it was, there he is, Senator Merkley. (laughs) Senator Jeff Merkley. And of course, who's writing about it? The Washington Post. Merkley holds Senate floor for over 15 hours in speech against Gorsuch. Oh, good for him. <laughs> I guess I guess he's doing it because he wants to show lefties that he's fighting by getting up there and speak. Speaking, this guy, I mean, it was a, a bunch of rambling nonsense because he was butthurt over Merrick Garland. And to Senator Merkley, if hey look, if anybody here uh, in the Blaze audience wants to reference Se- Senator Merkley's uh, office to this clip, Senator Merkley, look, Senator Butthurt, listen, <laughs> listen. Here, here is why Merrick Garland was not put up for, or even considered by the Republican-controlled Senate for uh, a nominee to the Supreme... He's put up by Obama, but wasn't considered and wasn't even heard by the GOP. Here's why. It is my view that if a Supreme Court justice resigns tomorrow or within the next several weeks, or resigns at the end of the summer, President Bush should consider following the practice of a majority of his predecessors and not, and not, name a nominee until after... The November election is completed. See, now, Senator Merkley, you can go ahead and say that Joe Biden was foolish to say that. That Joe Biden, the old man, didn't know what he was talking about. You could say that Joe Biden had his head so far up his rear end that he didn't know which which way, if he was coming or going. That Joe Biden ought not be listened to. That Joe Biden's kind of a little loopy, a little crazy, maybe smoked a little too much dope when he was a kid. You can say that, Mr. Merkley, but he was on your side trying to stop a nominee. Uh, well, it wasn't even trying to stop a nominee, just in case there was a nominee. I guess there was, I can't remember the exact circumstance that was surrounding the, the potential for a Supreme Court vacancy toward the end of George W. Bush's term. But it's what necessitated these Democrats to pee themselves and to get out there and set up these standards. 
Joe Biden continued. And again, Senator Merkley, I could have saved you 15 hours of of fundraising on the Senate floor. The Senate, too, Mr. President, must consider how it would, would respond to a Supreme Court vacancy that would occur in the full throes of an election year. It is my view that if the president goes the way of Presidents Fillmore and Johnson and presses an election year nomination, the Senate Judiciary Committee should seriously consider not scheduling confirmation hearings on the nomination. Well, and that's precisely what Mitch McConnell did. He followed the Biden rule, Mr. Merkley. Followed your vice president in the last election, Mr. Merkley. Now, I'm willing, look, Senator Merkley, if you're, if you're willing to come to my side and say that Joe Biden doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, you know, maybe you and I can talk. Maybe you and I can have some agreement. Now, what about Dianne Feinstein? Do you think she's a little loopy too, Senator Merkley? Do you think she's, she's kind of a moron? Because here's what she said uh, when it came to Sam Alito being put up by George W. Bush. I, I think when it comes to filibustering a uh, Supreme Court appointment, you really have to have something out there, whether it's gross moral turpitude or something that comes to the surface. Now, so, I mean, this is a man I might disagree with. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be on the court. Oh, wait a minute. So, so your colleague, Diane Feinstein, is saying, you know, back when, when Sam Melito was being put up by the Bush administration, that just disagreeing with, it, with his outlook and his constitutional philosophy isn't enough to filibuster them. But you're going to, and of course now she's a hypocrite too, because she's going to be filibustering right along with you, Mr. Merkley. But I mean, was, was Dianne Feinstein wrong back then too? And I guess we could ask this of, of uh, Dianne Feinstein too. Well, is it the Dianne Feinstein today or the Dianne Feinstein back in, uh, back in the Bush era who was right? See, the reason I'm pointing all this stuff out, folks, is A, the hypocrisy of the Democrats. B, they have full tilt bozo lost their minds. Uh, Merkley is a prime example. Man sat up there for 15 hours rambling on and on and on and on to appease a freak kook fringe base. Those who are the, the moneyed interests of the leftists, the Democrat Party, those committed to undermining the Constitution of the United States and making us a, a third world power. This, this is who, and again, Mr. Merkley wants to, to, to take advantage of that money, to do their bidding. So he's up there. He's up there for 15 hours talking about how it was so unfair for Merrick Garland. It was so, well, well wait a minute. Either... Mr. Merkley wants us to take his political party seriously, doesn't he? Well, the, when the Republicans decide to listen to Joe Biden and listen to Dianne Feinstein and, and listen to Chuck Schumer. That we should not confirm any Bush nominee to the Supreme Court except in extraordinary circumstances. He uttered that with a year and a half left in Bush's term. So, Mr. Merkley, I, I would just direct you to your Senate colleagues 
who have spoken out in the past and have been, well, I wouldn't say sane, maybe articulate. I guess we we can give them the the brownie points for being articulate. And they laid out the case as to why Merrick Garland should not have been heard, should not have been considered because he was being nominated wrongly by Barack Obama in an election year. And to Mr. Merkley, I'd ask you, why is it you Democrats get to set that standard when there's a Republican in the, in the office, but de- Republicans can't set that standard when there's a Democrat in the office? Why the double standard, Mr. Merkley? Now, I know you'll never be asked this question of the basket of bias press, but I'm hoping that somebody out there will make sure that this MP3 or this file gets to your office. And so that you can at least be confronted with a question and confronted with your own rank hypocrisy, sir. And so that you know that there are radio programs like mine all over this country exercising our freedom of speech and our freedom to question partisans like you and reprobates like you, sir. And so that you will know we're watching always back in a minute. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. They must prove. They must prove by actions, not words, that they are in the mainstream, rather than we have to prove that they are not. That's Chuck Schumer. And again, this, I'm tired of the double standard. Uh, always, always we have to prove that our nominees fit the Democrats. They never have to prove that, that their nominees fit our, our criteria. Why is it the Democrats get to set their criteria? You know, we, we, we didn't get a say in Kagan. We didn't get a, a say in Justice Sotomayor. No, they were left-wingers, and everybody's accepted. Well, you know, Obama's a left-winger, so he gets to nominate left-wingers. Everybody accepts that. Republicans don't have any say in that. But when a Republican puts up, oh, well, you know, this, this must pass muster with Democrats. What are you talking about? This is, this is absolutely crazy where we are. Now, maybe I didn't explain myself particularly well when it came to saying why I think this is a problem for Democrats. It's going to be a problem for Democrats because, you know, Gorsuch isn't going to be the last appointee to the high court. He's not going to be the, the last nominee to the high court from, from Trump. And you know what? After, after this display, tell me what goodwill that the Democrats are always saying, well, we're not going to, we're not going to work with Donald Trump. We're not going to hold on a second. Here, here's here's Fox News Channel saying they're not going to work with Donald Trump if if the Republicans go forward with their with their plans. Democrats can't stop Republicans from using the nuclear option this week. So instead, Democrats are trying to scare them. There's a reason they call it the nuclear option, and that is that there's fallout. Minority leader Chuck Schumer suggests that any hope President Trump has of working with congressional Democrats during his time in the White House will evaporate. You know, and by the way, uh, Blumenthal, that was uh, that was Senator Blumenthal. Look, the the fallout is happening right now. 
Republicans are dishing out fallout from when you Democrats went nuclear. This is the fallout. Not what the, oh, oh we're going to, the fallout's going to come from us. No, the, the, you're, you're now, you are now enduring the fallout from Republicans because of what you did with lower court judges. This is the fallout. And, of course, the basket of biased press is going to attempt to let them get away with it. But this is something you all have to know and understand. This is all courtesy of Democrats and their reprehensible behavior. If Senate precedent is changed to confirm a Supreme Court nominee. But before Schumer's party sees its power diminished even further, he is calling for something seldom seen on Capitol Hill these days. Compromise. We should now get in a room and come up with a compromise to avoid the nuclear option. Republicans ultimately don't seem too concerned with what Democrats do. The question really of how he is confirmed is up to the Democrats. Now, why... Why was there no compromise on Sotomayor? Why was there no compromise on Justice Kagan? Why? Why wasn't there an insistence that uh, that Republicans, because Democrats aren't willing to talk about compromise when they're in the majority. The only time the Democrats want to talk about compromise is when they're in the minority. It's, it's, you know what? And I can't recall... Any Republican saying, well, let's have some compromise here. The Republican said, look, you're the party in power. You get to, as long as this person's qualified, you get to make the appointment. That's that's the way it's been. But here, here the dip again, I've said this over and over again. Democrats are responsible for the degradation and the loss of goodwill. Hey, remember, everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. See you tomorrow. Salcedo Show. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.